time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 106 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is caramel. It's good. We never have caramel. (laughs) That is quite the lie. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so we are in December. How are you doing? It's cold. I don't like it. Very, very cold. Well, when we're recording this, we just came out of a really nasty cold snap. Oh, yeah. By the time this drops, I'm hoping the weather is nicer, balmy. We're always saying that, but it never is nicer. Sometimes it is. Here's the thing. I like it cold in December for Christmas, and then after that, forget it. I don't like it cold at all. I mean, just around Christmas time. That's it. Okay, if you insist. I mean, if you're running in and out of stores, you don't want to be hot in the stores. Well, and cold is relative, too. I can work very happily in 40 degrees. I can work very happily in 30 degrees. Once you get down in the 20s, I'm done. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for some of the people that are in really cold areas. I'm like, oh, my God, how are you doing this? I guess it comes down to what you're used to. But it does get us in the spirit for Christmas. It does. And then once Christmas is over, I'm ready for spring. We're done. And then you're going to hear us (laughs) complaining about it's cold. So I'm starting to get my chicken tree up and all my chicken ornaments are packed so carefully because they're usually glass and they have tails and everything else. That is my most exciting tree. Here's my dilemma. Do I put up my smaller chicken tree or do I bring up the big one and just load it up with chicken stuff and other farm stuff? I don't know. Just do a whole farm tree because you have sheep ornaments too. And llama and alpaca. And this is the week we have to take a trip to Valley View Farms before it gets too late. I was so bummed. Ikea, every 10 years, they have these straw goats. It's a Scandinavian ornament. It's a straw goat with a red ribbon. And I had a trio of them that I bought decades ago. And I can't find them anymore. And so I checked the Ikea website and they have them this year and they're completely sold out already in Maryland. What? Yeah, yeah. You can't even order them online? No, no. You have to. Christmas stuff you usually have to get in person. Oh, man. Um, And so I was thinking, well, we could go to Valley View and see if there's any farm stuff there. But I really, really want my straw goats. I love them. Valley View is like so fun to visit, but some of their prices are super high. And I'm like, I can get that cheaper. Where are you going to get it cheaper? We'll make it. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're going to make it? (laughs) Or did you just say we'll make it? We'll make, we'll make it. it. Okay, I hear you. <laughs> we will make it. Just yes. like you will draw my art projects in high school. <laughs> don't tell people that. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but don't tell people that. It's our secret. No, it's just art. I'm ready for the holidays. I mean, I'm ready for them too. I'm just stuck on cold weather. <laughs> but I'm not really ready, ready. I'm just ready. I think that there's a consensus on my hatred of extreme weather. I yeah. think I hate the cold more than the heat. I don't know. I've seen you in the heat. It's not good. good. It's true, but I hate the cold. I don't know. You seem better in the cold. 
You think? Yes. All right. I'm going to take your word for it. After 40 years, I've seen you in both conditions. You're definitely better in the cold. I don't know about all that. I guess as long as it's not a, a serious cold snap. If it's a really, really cold snap, like it doesn't get above freezing in a day, I'm done. I hate the cold. Like I will have every part of my body except for my nostrils covered. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see out of your nostrils what's happening over there? Okay, let's get off of this. Yes. If, If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. We love reading them. It helps our show grow. And while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And it's another great way to help our show grow. You can also tell a chicken-loving friend or 10 about the podcast. Or 20. You can visit our Etsy shop. Check out the mugs and t-shirts that we have on offer there. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. And a gigantic thank you and a welcome to our handful of newest patrons. Yay! The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the November box, I absolutely love that glass rooster cutting board and the woven chicken tea towel. I adore those Santa chicken hats and scarves, and I cannot wait to hang those chicken ornaments up on my chicken tree. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. The hills are alive with the breed spotlight. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Today's breed spotlight is the Altstrier. And can you guess where they're from? No, they probably can't. <laughs> probably have no idea what these crazy old ladies are doing. The Ulstrier, also known as the Syrian hen, is a beautiful breed that comes from southern Austria and Slovenia. And so if you don't know, that was our chicken version of The Sound of Music. <laughs> With apologies to Julie Andrews. I thought it was pretty good. It was, actually. <laughs> that was good stuff. <laughs> you know what that movie needs more of? Chickens. Chickens. It really does. I really believe they should have been walking family, over the- instead of a doe, a deer, a female deer, it should be a hen, a chicken, a female chicken. Yes, it has quite a ring to it, doesn't it? 
you know, I just think if we were the Von Trapps and we were traipsing over the mountain, we would have hens tucked under the arms, held oh, your hat. Oh, yes. And then when she puts her arm out and spins, hens. hens. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I would love that. That's perfect. I would watch that every other day. All right. All right now we're going to dress up and we're going to make a video. <laughs> okay. So back to the Altstrier. They are from specifically an area known as Styria. It's an alpine region. It's well known for its vineyards and apple orchards. I need to go there. Right? Castles, gorgeous views, lots of tourism, and this very pretty chicken. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've got the Terminator and a hen (laughs) from this part of the world. It's amazing. This is awesome. I'll be back. (laughs) I'll be back. With a hen. (laughs) (laughs) So because it's very difficult for me to say Altstrier... I'm going to give it its other name, which is the Styrian hen. The Styrian hen. The Styrian hen is much easier to say. So the Styrian hen, it's an extremely old breed. Yeah. Various sources claim that they date to about the 13th century. That's far back. Now, I didn't see any evidence in my limited research to back up this claim for sure. I'm sure if you're from that area, there are probably written records somewhere. We got to go there. I seriously would go here. You have me at vineyards, apple orchards, and chickens. And castles. So the Styrian hen was popular all around Styria. And again, it's Austria and Slovenia. Right. So they were popular all around Styria and probably into some of the other Alpine regions for the last several hundred years. Greenfire Farm mentions that they may have been a foundation breed for the Solmthaler. Okay. Which is another old European chicken. We haven't done that one We yet. have not. Nope. That's on the list. So the Styrian hen ran into trouble about the turn of the 20th century and then again after the world wars and again, especially when the hybrid layer started to arrive. Same old story, really. Same old, same old. So luckily, each time there was a small group of dedicated breeders that managed to keep the breed alive. That's what these chickens need. And that's still true today. Oh, yeah. We've said this before that people with chickens and people in time and history are kind of the same. They're just in different time periods. Absolutely. They're the same. So you still have people that have a love and a dedication to this breed Mm -hmm. and they're saving it. It's so sad when one actually does go extinct. That's terrible. It is terrible. I hate it. You know, luckily back then you had a small group of people, of breeders that were like, let's help this chicken out. And you still have that now. But they are still considered a rare heritage breed all over the world. Yeah. They are beautiful birds. They have straight combs, red faces, white earlobes, pale yellow legs, and a small crest. It's adorable. It's a swept back crest. Like the leg bar. Exactly. And it's more visible on the hens. Also like the leg bar. Their comb has a little bit of a ruffle to it. Yeah, I love that in combs. It's really cute. The Styrian hen are found in four color varieties. And some of our favorites. Yeah. Okay, so it's partridge, white, cuckoo, and the black-breasted red. Ooh. The black-breasted red is the color most commonly found in the U.S., and it really is a beautiful color on both sexes. Oh, definitely. I like the partridge, too. I love the partridge. Wow, I'm partial to partridge. Me, too. I absolutely love them. It's so pretty. So they're about medium-sized chickens. So roos are about five and a half, and the hens are about four and a half. There's not that big of a difference in the roo-hen ratio there, but they're little. They are little. They're classified as medium, but to me, five and a half for a roux is little. I think it's on the smaller side, yeah. but they're classified as medium. medium. Yeah. The thing is, if you look them up, they are rather round in shape. Yeah. The Altstrier are dual purpose chickens. They were viewed as an ideal breed in the area because they were dual purpose and were also very good at free ranging and foraging. Okay. They deal pretty well with confinement. But like most chickens, they're happiest when they can scratch and dig and hunt bugs. I think that's almost every single chicken. Yeah. They're also extremely cold hardy. 
I read in a couple of sources that they have all this extra thick fluff feathers, you know, the down feathers. Yeah. That keeps them really well insulated. If you're in the mountains of Austria, you're going to need that. Well, my question, though, is what about that ruffly comb? Is that a danger? It's bigger, but it doesn't look huge. It does look just like a leg bar comb. Yeah. And I think that you will definitely have to give a panel heater in there or coat the comb and protect it. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the weird things. Sometimes chickens are winter cold hardy, but they have bigger combs. So you're kind of like, how does that well, sometimes how does it work? Honestly, sometimes the points freeze and fall off. Yeah, so you kind of yeah. have to watch it, you know? Yeah. Most notes describe them as a calm and friendly breed, but I did find one website. It was a Slovenia travel site. Okay. And they said that the cockerels were known to be hotheads. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're going to be traveling there. And you're going to be like, I'm coming across an Austrian rooster and it's known to be a hothead. He's a hothead. Well, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, my take on that is your mileage may vary. If you're hiking in those mountains and you come across a rooster that's known as a hothead, you well, better run, man. Maybe you were, like, you scared his hens or something. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a rooster is going to pop out. He's not like Freddy Krueger. They're going to pop out and chase you down because they don't like you. He jumps out of the woods. The hills are alive. I'm going to get you. <laughs> a rooster singing Julie Andrews. I'd be a sitting duck because I'd be totally mesmerized. I would forget to run. All kidding aside, generally roosters that are chasing you, it's because they're they, protecting. Right. They think there's something wrong with the hens. So I'm pretty sure that if you take a Styrian hen rooster and you have him by himself, he's not going to be a hothead. No. I'm sure it'd be fine. We think this is a really, really good homestead breed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're so cute. They have the best of everything and the color varieties are good. The combs are cool. I really think they're beautiful. The black-breasted red coloring, and that's, again, what we have in the U.S. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like it looks like a well summer with a crest. That's exactly what it looks like. A, a small with ra- a crest. A small round girdie with a crest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the hens are good layers of large tinted white or cream eggs. Okay. So sometimes you don't want all brown egg layers. So uh-huh. this one might be good to throw yeah. into your mix. Mm-hmm. It'll be cream eggs versus brown. They are not known to go broody. And you know, on my scale, I'm always like, no broody hens. Yeah. It has its upsides and downsides, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. How many eggs do they give us a year? They generally lay 180 to sometimes up to 200 eggs per year, which is in my uh, pretty good category. I'd say it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So Greenfire Farm is the main source, of course, for the Ultstrier chicken in the U.S. There were a few other farms breeding them, though. So a Google search is your best bet for finding breeders that are more local to you. And if you're in Canada, you're in luck. D.C. Heritage Poultry does have them. Yeah. Be a nice breed for Canada, I would think. I would think so because it's cold hardy. Mm-hmm. And they're Definitely. gorgeous. Yeah. So that is the Styrian hen. I'm sure there's a lot more about their history out there that we don't have access to. When we travel there, when we'll we find head out. over there, exactly. You have me at Vineyards and Hens. We're going to take like the Chicken Ladies World Tour. Oh, yeah. And go and visit all the hens we've been talking about for two plus years. Are we going to broadcast from the road? Oh, yeah, sure. That'll be, be good. That would be awesome. <laughs> okay, so if you have the Altstrier and you want to show us pictures, we would love to see them. Message us on Instagram the picture and we'll give you a story. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. 
quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosties store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water or nipple and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosties range or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so now it's time for main topic. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. This week's main topic is deciphering egg carton labels. And we decided to do it this week because this is one of those times that you could be in the store having to decipher an egg carton label. That might have happened to me. (laughs) I know. And it did happen to you. You know, we were so busy telling everyone to preserve some eggs because eggs are seasonal that I gave all of mine to my sisters and my mom. In my own defense, though, I thought my pullets would be laying. Yeah. Mine are just starting to lay. Well, none of mine. I'm still getting a couple bantam eggs a week, and that's it. And you had nine babies. I had eight. Yeah. I'm starting to get like two or three of them laying, but it's enough so that if I want to bake, I have. You're, yeah, yeah. But So essentially what happened is I went to the grocery store, and I needed to figure out the labels because there's really a wide variety of options. There's a lot of different egg cartons with lots of different labels out there. Yeah. And it's hard to decipher once you're a chicken keeper. You're used to a certain grade of eggs. Right. Fresh eggs right from your chickens. And you have a different appreciation for the chicken at that point. Well, my criteria for this, I was looking to buy eggs from the supplier that takes the best care of their layer flock, bar none. And it can be really hard to figure out who that is. Exactly. Because once you care for chickens and you understand them and you love them, you don't want to put money into anybody oh, hell no. who is not taking care of them or is abusing them or over... Battery cage? Forget it. I don't no want way. any it. So we're going to break it down for Let's you. Let's break it down. Honestly, the best case scenario here is if you have a local farmer or friend who sells eggs from their own well-cared-for flock. Yes. That's the best choice, bar none. Yep. So we have Andy's Poultry, about five minutes from my house. Uh-huh. They actually sell in our local grocery store in Harvest Fair. Nice. So if you go there tonight. Yeah. I was going to pick up some oysters, <laughs> make some fried oysters. So they're free range on a farm five minutes from here. What I ended up getting, and I got to tell you, I didn't even look at the price tag. What I ended up getting was from a local farmer in Pennsylvania, because I'm at the top of Maryland. I shop in Pennsylvania. Right. They were cage-free and free range. They were pastured. All of that was very visible on the label. You know, it said small producer. You can take that with a grain of salt. But they looked like the best option for me for well-cared chickens. So I bought them. And here's a surprise. I got them home and popped open the carton. They were well summer eggs. Yeah. They were terracotta speckled eggs. Yeah, that's cool. I thought that was really fantastic. So the first claim that you see on a label is natural or all natural. And there's no standard to back this up. Just sounds nice. It sounds good. It's marketing. And here's another one. Farm fresh. Again, unless you're buying that straight from a farmer. You don't know. It's marketing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could have a battery cage section of a farm. And they could still call it farm fresh. Farm fresh. Yeah. So that, again, is marketing. You also want to check the dates because, to me, fresh is a week or two. And generally, you're getting eggs that you buy in the store at least four to six weeks old. Yeah. Four to six from the leg. Several weeks old. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so hormone-free. Now, in the U.S., chickens in commercial settings cannot be supplied with hormones anyway. 
So again, more marketing. It's just something they can slap on the label and you think you're getting something else for your money. Right. Don't pay extra money for that. Not that I've bought chicken meat in a very long time. You see that on chicken meat too. It'll say hormone free. They have to be hormone free. Yeah, exactly. Organic. Okay. So organic means they have to be fed completely 100% an organic feed. Right. And essentially, if organic appears on the labeling, it means the farm is certified organic. Yes. So like you said, the feed and there's some other organic protocols that they have to follow yes. and they have to document all of it. Exactly. So what you're getting there is a chain about the chicken's diet and healthcare. Yeah. So you know that they're not fed. I'm just making this up. You know they're not fed chemicals of some sort. Exactly. Here's where it starts to get a little sketchy. Uh-huh. Cage-free. Cage-free, you want to say, Hallelujah. They're not in a cage. They're not in a battery cage. They're definitely not. Problem is, there is no regulation on how many birds are crammed into a small area. They can be just as packed without a cage. They can. I think it's still better than a cage. It's a notch better than a cage because a cage, they can barely turn around. They can't turn around. In a a building, at least it can move a bit. A bit. You don't know what's behind that claim. And what you could do, I mean, we all have our phones right there with us, is look up the farm. You sure can, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Look at the label, look at where Mm -hmm. they're from, look up the farm and see where they're coming from and see if you like what they're showing you online. But cage-free doesn't necessarily mean running around outside. Right. It's usually in a building. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And they're crammed a lot of the time. So then we have free range. free range. And free range simply means hens must have access to the outdoors. There's nothing that says that it has to be grassy outdoors. There's nothing that says they have to be out there. They could just have an open door that they may or may not want to go out. Right. It really depends. For free range, they're not in a cage. They may be in a building, but they can go outside if they want to. Right. So it's a notch above cage Each one of these, I feel like, is a little we're bit going of a step a little above. Where right, right. Okay. So here's where you want to be when you're buying eggs. Mm-hmm. It's pastured. Right. Pastured. So pastured means that the birds spend at least some of their time on pasture. Right. There is no government standard or inspection for this label, though. So buyer beware. So again, you're holding your phone. Look up the farm. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people who are doing this are going to want to boast about it and right. show you where the chickens are, yeah. how they're living. So if you can look up the farm where they're from, it might make your mind feel a little bit better. Right. My bottom line for this is that I would not buy eggs from birds in battery cages. Absolutely not. Never. Cage-free is very important to me. Free range, you know, that can go either way, but pastured. So I want to see cage-free. I want to see pastured. Yes. Pastured kind of implies cage-free, but the farm that I bought from did have both of them on the package. Yeah. So when you say pasture, I assume it means they're literally out eating grass. grass, Right. But again, there's no government standard or inspection. Right. So So you're going at the word of the farm. (sighs) I tend to feel like a smaller farm is going to actually pasture their birds compared to a huge one. I mean, this is where we go back to number one, your best case scenario is going to your local farm or your local farmer's market market. on a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh And you meet the farmer there, you can tell the eggs right then and there. Right. And, you know, that's the best way to go. Or if you have a friend that has more eggs than you, something. Right. That's the best case scenario. Everything else you're kind of taking at their word. Right. But the best case is to use the pasture once you're in the store. The fact that I got pastured eggs and I popped the box open and they were definitely well summer eggs. 
And you said they were mixed sizes, which also led you to believe that they weren't battery cage hens. No, no. The eggs themselves were very healthy. They definitely were different shapes. Yeah. When I say mixed sizes, in Maryland at least, you can't sell like bantam and and bigger eggs together. They have to be sorted by size. So these were all large eggs. Now, did they have a grade on there? Like a grade A, grade whatever? They were grade A, yes. So in Maryland, at least, they grade the eggs. In Maryland, you can only sell A or double A. Right. If it's a B, which means an imperfect egg with maybe like meat spots in it, et cetera, you can't sell it to the public. Exactly. These were all our large eggs, but like some of them were round and mm-hmm. they were different shapes. I was really happy with that. I thought this is from a flock of well summers. Right. And I felt like this is the best way I could have spent my money since I had to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Because apparently nobody around here has any chickens laying eggs right now. I have just a few or else I'd <laughs> share with you. For the holidays and baking purposes. Exactly, right. You need them. And my eggs, I have to use two for every one now because they're all pullet eggs. Yes. Nankin eggs are bigger, so I'll use two at Nankin eggs for a regular egg. Okay, so the last thing that you're going to see. This is the one that everyone flips out over. And it's like, why? Seriously. It's vegetarian diet. Right, vegetarian eggs. This does not mean that these chickens are forcibly made into vegans. (laughs) It simply means that they are not fed meat or meat byproducts. And in the U.S., that is namely fish meal. Right. The other thing is chickens are going to eat a bug no matter what if it walks by. Well, right. There's nothing about a vegetarian diet that says they can't have bugs or worms. That is not non-vegetarian. Vegetarian right. means meat. Right. Exactly. Spoken as a very long-time vegetarian who is accused of being a vegan. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with being vegan. Right. But it means I don't eat meat, but I do eat other animal protein right. sources. So these birds, if they're fed a non-meat diet, could still have insect meal or anything else in their diet. Right. Because there's no such thing as a vegan egg. You're talking animal protein. Yeah. The real issue here with vegetarian eggs is whether or not chickens that are fed a vegetarian diet get enough methionine. Okay. And that's a crucial amino acid needed for healthy body function in chickens. Okay. There are other sources of methionine besides fish meal. That's like one of the biggest. Right. But they do include some plant-based and insect sources. Here's the thing. All eggs in the UK are vegetarian. They're considered vegetarian. All of them because they can't feed them meat ever. Or even insect. Well, they can't feed the soldier fly grubs. Right. But the, if the birds are eating bugs out in the wild, can't that's stop fine. Them with that. Exactly. You can't feed like treats of bug treats or right. anything like exactly. that. Exactly. So again, all eggs in the UK are vegetarian and those birds are fine. Yeah. I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding. Chickens are omnivores. And yeah, actually chickens will happily eat meat and there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't mean if a chicken is not eating meat, it's going to be unhealthy. Right. Because again, the biggest source of meat in a chicken's diet, if they're feeding commercial food, is fish meal. Yeah. So walk down that aisle, take your phone with you Mm -hmm. and look at those labels and pick the best choice for you. And if you have to take the walk of shame... I very openly took the walk of shame. I I would take the walk of shame anytime because my chickens have a break every single winter and I take the walk of shame. I say to Joe, I'm like, it's time for you to go take the walk of shame, Joe. He's got to do it. (laughs) But he's not going to be as careful with the buying the eggs as you are. Well, we buy Andy's. Oh, oh, you're you're fine then. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go check out Andy's tonight. Yeah. So we buy them right at Harvest Fair and we know the people there at the farmer's market every week. One of my sisters has bought from Andy too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So we just buy those and I'm like, go take the walk. Well, since I'm on this side of town, I'm going to be walking (laughs) my shameful self in there. 
So today we decided to do another little mini main. Mini, mini topics. Along with talking about egg labels. And we're going to talk about medicating your chickens because we've had some questions about it. Right. And it's an important skill that every chicken keeper needs. Yes. And honestly, when you first get chickens the first few years, there may not be a need. But as you go, you will come across health problems with your chickens. Absolutely. It does happen. And being able to have the skill to medicate your chicken is so important. Yes. Okay, so let's list the types of medication that you're going to have to try to give. So really, you have three classes. Yep. You have liquid medications, you have pills, and you have injectables. And there are various ways you can do the liquid medication. Yep. So this is kind of a sticky one because people are not always comfortable with this. Ideally, especially if it's a lot of medication, you can put it directly into the crop. You can do that with a syringe or you can do that with a tube. Yes. Your veterinarian usually will show you if you don't know how. Right. A lot of times you can take the syringe and put it all the way back and uh-huh. down into the crop. Right. Or you can slowly administer it in the lower part of the beak in that and case, let them take it slower. Exactly. And in that case, it's easiest if you have two people, you have someone holding the chicken, you would open their beak and squirt small amounts in their beak and let the chicken swallow before you give them any more. I know you have developed a solo way to do that. (laughs) I do. You've seen me do it. I've seen you do it. It's quite impressive, right? It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I'm kind of like sitting down and I put them in my lap. I don't know how you do it. It's like you have five arms. (laughs) I'm like, I can't do that. Pete usually holds them for me. I think it was from being in an animal hospital for so long and you were told, go give these animals medicine. And sometimes you you were by yourself. You had to hold the, yeah. You had to figure out a way to get it in them. And I just looked at the chickens when we got the chickens so many years ago as just another animal that needs meds. I got to figure it out. And sometimes it's harder for me with two people. I guess because I'm so used to it. Yeah. The other thing is if you're trying to do this by yourself, it might be helpful to wrap your chicken in a towel. I wrap them in a towel every time. There you go. So towel the chicken. Towel the chicken. It's the same way with cats. We would towel the cats. Oh my God. You got to tell cats. I mean, cats. So many cats we would see that all was hanging out was a cat head. Like you had them wrapped <laughs> so tight like the burritos. Cat burrito. But the chickens, you wrap them in a towel kind of the same uh-huh. way. That way you can sit down and use your body as one of an arm, basically. Well, that's for five arms, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I do it both ways. If it's just a small amount of medication, I'm going to just put it in the beak and let them swallow it yes. slowly. I have tube-fed chickens many times. I have administered large amounts of medication to chickens with a tube yeah. or via syringe into the crop. And having the tube feeding is a very good skill. It's a fantastic skill to have. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm a little nervous each time I do it. And you need two people for tube feeding. You do. And I usually use a headlamp so that I can make sure I see the trach before I press the plunger. Right. What Dr. Rebecca has always showed me is when you put the tube in, you can feel their trachea and the tube. And that's Mm -hmm. how you know it's in the right place. Right. You can also physically look and see if the trachea is visible. Some chickens are really good at hiding it. Yep. Yeah. So it depends on what I'm doing. If it's just a small amount, I'm going to squirt it in the beak a little bit at a time. You don't want to be afraid to do it. No. Just take it slow and breathe a lot. Yes. Okay. If you hold your breath and try to get through it, it it often does not go well. You get stressed out. Yeah. And it's going to go everywhere. And the chicken's like, why are you not breathing? What's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. The next thing is pills. And pills can be easy and hard all in the same. It depends on the size of the pill. It really does. For really big pills, we have a pill splitter just for chicken medications. I take really big pills and I cut them down. I quarter them. For sure. Because the small pill, honestly, you just stick it in the bottom of their beak and they swallow it. And they swallow it, exactly. I mean, it's it's easier than liquid. It is, yeah. But a big pill, you're going to be like, oh God. 
cut it down, make it easy to handle. Yeah, Esther was on Bactrum, and they were pretty big. And so I cut them in half, and then I quartered them. And she got essentially two quarters yeah. each time. She's a Jersey giant, so she's a big chicken with a big beak. Yeah. And is also very talented at holding the pill in her mouth and then <laughs> spitting it back out. Generally, once you put it in, they're going to swallow it. They usually swallow it, yeah. They're instinctual. Sometimes it comes back out. You just put it back in. Exactly. You'll get it in there eventually. It's not too bad. Now, Mm -hmm. where it can become tricky is injections. Yes. And you want to be taught by a veterinarian if that's what you have to give, how and where to give. Yes. And they may require different places. Now- A lot of it's the breastbone. A lot of it is the breast. There's actually an easy way to figure out where that goes. Yeah. And you generally need two people for this. But again, I'm sure some of you are pros and can do it solo. You lay the chicken on the back. The whole time you need to monitor their head because you don't want their head to be below their body. You don't want them choking on crop contents. Right. So you lay them on their back and then you feel their keel bone. Mm-hmm. And on either side of their keel bone is the breast muscle yes. that you want to go into. Yep. And you just have to push the feathers out of the way, make a little tent in the skin and go right into the muscle. Yeah. Chicken needles, and you can get them right on Amazon. Yeah. Usually you're under a CC. It's you're a usually small using a TB. Exactly, tuberculin syringe. So under one CC, and the needles I like, they're half an inch, mm-hmm. and they are 27 gauge. Yeah. Very small. When we would do IV catheters on kittens, mm-hmm. so we would use a 24 gauge. Yeah. So in gauges of needles, the higher the gauge, the smaller, the finer the needle. Right. So like an 18 gauge needle is big. A 24 gauge needle yeah. is really small. I'll tell you what, after putting in so many IV catheters for so many years, when I went to have Sophia... They warn you of all of this. When you get to the hospital, they're going to put a 16-gauge catheter in your arm. Most people would be like, okay, that's fine. But I knew what that was. You can't see my face right now. My face is like, hell no. I knew what that meant. No. So I looked at the doctor and I was like, why? And she looked at me like, how do you know? I'm like, the largest we go is an 18-gauge with dogs. And you're telling me I'm going to have a 16-gauge catheter and that's like a pipeline. (laughs) She was like... Yes, because if you have problems with the childbirth, we have to be able to give you blood through that catheter. So I guess for blood transfusions. My face hasn't changed, has it? I think I'm sitting here looking horrified. I was horrified when they went to put it in, but thank God they're good at it. So it was like, oh, girl, we got to stop talking about that. What you're going to give is like a 27, which is so fine. It's almost, I can barely see this needle without my glasses on. It's so fine. And what Holly Ann gives injectables for is heavy metal poisoning. We've talked about this many times. Her chickens had zinc poisoning. The chelation therapy, yeah. So there are some therapies. If your chickens come back and the vet will instruct you and show you how to do it, just ask questions and make sure you're feeling good about what you're seeing. Right. Your vet's going to want you comfortable administering this medication because the most important thing that a vet needs you to do when you leave is follow up all that nursing care. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do any good if you get afraid and you don't give the medication. Right. So ask lots of questions and just make sure you're comfortable with it. Right. Exactly. I really did not want to stick a needle in my chicken. It was scary. Yeah. But I got over it. And if you're wondering, yes, we have done extensive work on those runs and the chickens are just fine most of the time. But last month, we had five days of torrential rain, and I had three of the hens show symptoms again. Yeah, so you had to do the chelation therapy, and you have to feel comfortable with medicating. Right. It will save their life. If I didn't do it, they were not going to make it. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay, so if you have any questions or concerns, DM us or email us. Absolutely. And we can help you walk through it. We will help you as best we can, absolutely. As best we can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. 
Today's cracking the eggs is Jackie's corn pudding. That's my mom. And it's a fun little recipe. It is. Now, she has been so specific with this recipe. This is one that she made for the holidays way back when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like a weird little story with it. She found it as a lot of people find their recipes way back in the newspaper. Right. There used to be like a whole food section. And, and she was talking about this newspaper. It's the tiniest paper. It was from the town next to the town where we grew up. The tiniest, tiniest newspaper. And we couldn't find it anywhere. But we finally came up with one that she says is pretty close. Yeah. So she was like, it has to be this. It has to be yeah. that. So we sat down with her. And my mom has been ill over the last few months. So she's staying with me and she's feeling much better. Thank, thank God. goodness. So we've had a lot of time to talk about this stuff. So this is her recipe, and here we go. it's a nice addition to a Christmas table. It's got some convenience factors to it, and we're not judging that. Nope. But overall, it tastes really good. So you're going to start off with two cans of whole kernel corn. You don't hear us say cans a lot. No. This one does call I guess if you didn't want to use the canned corn, you could use frozen. Yeah. Especially if you froze your own corn. Yeah. And then you want two cans of creamed corn. If you are gluten and dairy intolerant, check out the brands because some brands, the cream corn is dairy and gluten free. Really? Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've never had to look at it, yeah. so I never looked. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to get a quarter cup of milk or dairy free milk. Holly Ann uses oat milk. Mm-hmm. A quarter cup of sugar. And she was very precise with this. Yes. You know how I joke around. I'm like, okay, we're going to add way more sugar. And she's like, no, no Chrissy, mm-hmm. it has to be only a quarter it's cup, a quarter of, cup sugar. of sugar, three eggs whether they're from the grocery store or from your own lovely chickens. And two tablespoons of cornstarch, which is going to thicken it up. The cornstarch and the egg are going to bind it, and yeah. And keep in mind that your corn is already this one of the sweetest vegetables out there. Yes, absolutely. So it has its own natural sugar in it. So you're looking at corn, cream corn, milk, sugar, eggs, cornstarch. And for her, the corn pudding has to be thick and not runny. Well, that's where the eggs and the cornstarch come yep. in. They bake it till it's really firmed up. Yeah. This is super easy. I mean, literally, you're going to grease or spray an eight-inch square or round baking dish. Yep. And you throw all the stuff in a bowl and mix it. That's it. And bake it. Right. And of course, you can add salt and pepper to taste. You can put a topping on it if you like. Yeah. Like some... Crackers or breadcrumbs or something. And my mom's like, rich crackers crumbled on top, yeah. whatever. And here's the surprising thing. You're going to bake this for over an hour. Mm-hmm. It has to bake for a long time. It has time. to bake for a long time, yeah. It's a great addition to a holiday table. Yeah. And easy. And I always think it's one of those things that's easy to take to somebody's house. Yes. Especially if you're running around, you're trying to wrap gifts, you're mm-hmm. trying to do this. This has the convenience factor. Yeah. We did branch out. It does take three eggs, but the eggs are what keeps well, it together. Well, it doesn't matter because I just bought two dozen eggs at the grocery <laughs> store, so whatever. So we have them. <laughs> But yeah, this is one that we love for the holiday table. Try it. It's quick, it's easy, it's good. Tell us what you think. Okay, let's move on to retail therapy. Retail Retail therapy. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. This week's retail therapy, we are talking with... Camilla Cott and Breathe Rooster. So much fun. Enjoy. Okay, so we are thrilled to have Camille Lacotte and Bree the Rooster visiting with us again today. Camille, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Great. We're thrilled to have you back. Welcome, Bree. We see you. Welcome back. Bree and I are thrilled to be back. So we have you on today because you have some special stuff coming out. And a lot of our listeners have kids and grandkids to buy for. So you have this amazing book and a plushie that we're going to talk about. Yes, yes. So Bree's for her first children's book, 
that I wrote and that is illustrated by a wonderful illustrator named Lauren Foster McLoyd is currently available for order. And the title of the book is Brie and Me, A True Story of a Rescue Rooster's Journey. Well, that's true. It is nonfiction. It's a nonfiction children's book. Absolutely. Yes. It's the story of how Brie found me from a lost chick on a New York City street to becoming an internet sensation and just a love and how together I help Bree spread his messages, which are to be kind to yourself, others, all animals and the planet. Which is one amazing message that we love. Besides Bree being the inspiration for the book, what other inspiration drew to write the story of you guys meeting? Everyone was so interested in the story itself. I have to admit, I didn't think much of it. It's like Bree needed a home. He found me. I thought I have to leave New York City where I was currently living when Bree turned out to be a rooster. And that's just what I'm going to do. But the more times I told the story, I realized that people were really fascinated with me basically uprooting my life for a rooster, for a chicken, quote unquote. Right. And so I thought the story really brings to light that chickens, just like our other companion furry and feathered family members, cats, dogs, turtles, rabbits, they have personalities, they want love, they crave affection. And so why not put that into a story that inspires kids and maybe adults to see chickens differently? Which is exactly our message. They share love. They're capable of loving. And yeah, we love the story. We see nothing wrong with this story, of course. If we have any new listeners and you want to get Camille's story from the beginning, Camille and Brie are on episode 63 of our podcast. So you can check that out too and get all the background. If you are unfamiliar with Camille and Brie, Brie is a white leghorn rooster and he has some of the most impressive waddles and comb (laughs) that I've ever seen. Yes, you gorgeous boy. Look at him back there. He's he's so always present for our interviews, which we love. (laughs) So tell us a little bit more about how you started working with the illustrator, because the illustrations in this book are absolutely fantastic. I know they're fantastic. Uh, So I had done the first draft of the book, envisioning it, but not knowing who was going to bring it to life. Bree has his own Instagram page. It's Bree and me rooster. And I had posted a number of pictures of Brie as a little chick. And a wonderful illustrator named Lauren Foster McLoyd was following Brie and me on Instagram and took the picture of Brie as a chick and illustrated it and sent it to me through Instagram. And she said, I hope you don't mind, but I was inspired. And I saw this picture, which is actually featured on the back cover of the book. And I thought, oh my gosh, who are you? And do you illustrate children's books? And we had our first meeting over Zoom. And she said, you know, I've never done a children's book before, but I'd be up for it. So together, we went on this adventure because I had never written a children's book before. And she was not only an amazing asset to the book in bringing it to life with her incredible illustrations, but she really put her heart and soul into making sure that Brie and me were identified throughout the book as we wanted to be seen through the eyes of children and adults. So she just put so many hours and hours of work into this book. It's gorgeous. And it's his story. It's a great way for kids to be able to identify and know that chickens can love and be loved, you know, right down to sleeping in the pocket of your robe. 
uh, that they like to snuggle and hug. I mean, it's just an amazing story. And you are pretty amazing to totally uproot your life and go where he needed you to go. And he's so lucky. You're lucky to have each other. We just love it. One of my favorite illustrations in the book is right in the beginning. It's the one of Brie on the New York City street. Yes. With the taxi and the business people walking by. You have to see this image to really get the feeling. But she beautifully captured what it would look like to see a chick on the street in New York City. There's a lot of chicken hugging in this book, which There's is a awesome. Lot. Yes, because Bree and I are constantly cuddling. He's a, he's a snuggle bug. And I, I always said, I once the, the final version was out, I thought, wow, there's a lot of illustrations of me in my robe. Like maybe I should wear my robe to book signings because he, I was always on my robe on and he would tuck in my pocket, like you said. I think with that first illustration, Lauren, the illustrator, and I talked so much about, you know, what would it be for this little tiny peeping chick to be lost amongst these huge shoes and high heels and taxi cabs and fire hydrants? Lauren really captured the hustle and bustle yeah. of New York City in that one illustration. And she with did. this little tiny chick. She really did. So I first saw you several years ago, actually. Your story was on the dodo. Yes. And I fell in love with it there. And we've been following you since. So just out of curiosity, how old is Bree these days? So Bree is five and a half. He's very healthy, very happy. He sees his avian vet twice a year. I'm a little bit of an overprotective mom. So if anything, I always, I'm texting his avian vet. Like, can you look at this photograph? Is this real? Oh, yeah. But in his maturity, he really has taken on his role of being an ambassador for roosters everywhere. And a great example is we had a book signing here in my hometown of Ashtabula, Ohio, this past weekend. And Bree immediately knows when there's children around, he can kind of feel maybe they're a little apprehensive. They've never met a rooster before. And I can't really describe it well, but he just becomes incredibly calm. Like his body relaxes and he knows like once I put him on my lap in a certain way and a little girl or little boy is, is in front of him, he knows like, okay, I need to show them how loving I can be and put them at ease. And it's really amazing to see. Oh, it is. They never cease to amaze us. They just yeah. know. I love the fact that he loves his doggy sisters and brothers also. And they're also in the book. Our rescue pups did make it into the book as well as our mailman. So our mailman would come to the door and the illustration that's in the book of the mailman holding Brie is from an actual photograph. When the mailman would come to the door, Brie would run to the door to greet him. And one day he stepped in and, and he looked at me, he's like, can I pick him up? And I said, sure. And he scooped up Brie and I clicked the photo. And now Dave, our mailman is in Brie's book. I think I did see on Instagram, he does have himself a little coop though now too, right? Yes, yes. We got Brie, uh, Cutest Coop. That's the name of the company. It's a fantastic yes. company. Really beautifully thought out and very, very secure, well-made coop. So yes, he has a Cutest Coop. And he does enjoy that on warmer days. I have to admit, when if it's anything below 50 degrees, Bree gets very grouchy if you put him outside. He's a house oh, no. through and through. Sure. That's He's okay. just like, look, if I want to get some sun, that's out there. But, you know. <laughs> You're not leaving me out there. No, 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 no. I need my chicken bed in your bedroom. That's where I need to go. Pretty much. Yes, pretty much. So as well as this really, really fantastic book, you have something else that you are going to be offering for sale this holiday season. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
So we have special edition Brie plushies, and they are in the likeness of Brie. They are made by an amazing toy maker, Andrea Vita, who resides in Budapest, and she's with Avita Toys. And I reached out to her because I purchased some educational plush toys for some of my kids' programs. I reached out to Andrea and said, I, I'd like to have a Brie plush that's original, that's eco-friendly because that's a big part of my mission is, is making sure we take care of our planet. And it's just something that's very original that will go with the book. And so she and I worked together through photographs of Brie to create this special edition Brie plush, which is a nice gift set to accompany the book. For a young child at Christmas, this would be so fun to have the plushie and the book together to read and snuggle with together. And yeah. I just love it showing you how much love chickens can give. You're out there spreading this word of love from chickens, and it's amazing. And I think, too, with everything in our world, the book really shows kids and adults that if you are different, that's okay. And that you will find your family. You know, sometimes, and, and we know it as animal lovers and advocates, sometimes your best friends are furry or feathered. Yeah, and yeah. You know, for Bree, he found his family with my parents and my rescue pups and me, maybe for a child that is searching for that true family, knowing that eventually as he or she or they grow, they'll find that in maybe different friends or family. And maybe some of those friends and family will end up being feathered like Bree. Oh, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. I also think that there's another message there, and that is your kindness is never wasted. Like one act of kindness really can change someone's life. Yes. And that's so true. And I think with all of Bree's messages, it's so important to be kind to ourselves. And I remember my dad saying that to me years ago. He said, Camille, how do you expect people to go out and save the planet or save animals when they're not you know, filling themselves up, when they're not being kind to themselves? So I remembered my dad saying that, and my dad and Bree are best buddies. If you oh, yeah. Bree's Instagram page, you'll see them a lot together. And so I took that to heart that first we have to be kind to ourselves, you know, with positive mm -hmm. self-talk and resting and eating well. It seems simple, <laughs> but especially as adults, you know, we're running. And then what are we modeling for our children if we're always running? And and, and I'm a perfect example of that. You know, I don't bring up water, like, but really the, the mental kindness of, of that positive self-talk. And then that allows us to be kind to others. It doesn't matter what they look like, who they are, bringing kind to all animals, which includes, again, our wonderful farm animals, and then, of course, the planet. So those messages are really interconnected. Yeah. It kind of brings me to Kids for Positive Change. Anything yeah. bright and new going on yes. over there? Yes, we have some exciting, exciting news from Kids for Positive Change. We have been officially picked up by WQLN PBS, nice. which is the local PBS station out of Erie, Pennsylvania. What that means is they have agreed to be our presenting station. So currently season one of the Kids for Positive Change series, which empowers young people to take positive action for the planet, is running on WQLN. If listeners are not in that area to receive that specific PBS station, they can go to our website, kidsforpositivechange.com, and watch season one. But season two is what I'm really psyched about because we filmed season two earlier this year at WQLN in the studio. The entire second season is dedicated to climate change education. Nice. We're also in the second season. 
And the production value and value of the message is just going to be huge. So that should be out early 2023. And our goal is for it to be on WQLN, of course, but to expand to more PBS stations. And I'm getting to that. Bree's very excited about going national, having PBS kids pick it up. So that's our goal. Even as chickens, they're affected by climate change. Yeah. It's staying warmer longer, their molts get pushed back. Everything with their timing and, and laying eggs and growing feathers all gets affected. So that's yeah. a really important message for us all to learn about, have the kids learn about. So that's really good work. And congratulations. That's Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's yeah. fantastic. So before we wrap up, one last Brie question. You say in the book that Brie had a huge appetite. Does he still have a huge appetite? <laughs> Yes, he gets so grouchy if his food bowl isn't filled to the top. It's so funny. Sometimes I'm like, well, Brie, I don't want you to waste it. So I'll just put a little in and he'll literally like peck my leg. Like, no, 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 it has to be filled. And then certain foods like sweet potatoes, forget about it. I mean, he'll just, his eyes, he'll just come over and just stop. He can't get it in fast enough. And then he uses, of course, I'm sure you know this with your chickens. He uses my body as his human napkin. So then I have sweet potatoes all over what I'm wearing. Yeah. I mean, Lucy, my leghorn, I always joke around about her because one of the things that people try to get you to draw to leghorns is that you can feed them less and they can survive on less. And I'm like, that is the biggest myth of it all. These leghorns love to eat and will put as much in as they can. Oh my gosh. Yes. He still has a very big appetite. You probably noticed this with Lucy. It's it's almost on the every two hour mark. It's like, okay. I need to eat. When we were at the book signing this past weekend, it was so funny because I could see him after about, we had been there for about an hour, him kind of looking at me like, mom, I'm getting the munchies. (laughs) So I told, there was a line of people. I'm like, Bree needs a five minute break. And I put him in his enclosure and he he didn't even look up. He was just eating. eating. Exactly. Yeah. Lakehorns are so cute. You know, they're such close into my heart. Oh my goodness. They're very special. So we're going to have the book and the plushie. That plushie almost has a little bit of um, an old world feel to it, yeah. like an older toy. It doesn't look like some just mass produced thing. It really looks quality. I really love it. Yeah. And there were only 50 made. So it's a special edition plushie. We just special had special edition. Yeah. So get it while you can. I know there are already people on the waiting list for them. Yes. Oh, so Brie wants me to remind you for book orders and plushie orders, you can go to wakeupwithbrie.com, click on book. And on that page, the book itself can be ordered through a variety of online outlets. And then the plushie we would ship out here in Ohio. Okay. So we will have all of those things linked in the show notes. Uh, you mentioned Bree's Instagram is? It's Bree, and you spell that B-R-E-E and me rooster. Brie and me rooster. If you're not following that, you're missing out. You need to see Brie and Grandpa. It's like the <laughs> cutest thing ever. They're so cute together. I yeah. always look for your post on Instagram. I'm like, oh, let me get little Brie. We just did a post before the recording because he knew something was coming. Like I turned on <laughs> Zoom and he's like, okay, mom, you know, I'm ready. What are we doing? And are we teaching a class? I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing a podcast. We're going to see Christian Holly and be like, oh, okay. He's had lots to say. Yeah. Now, if people want to follow your show, which is, again, a fantastic resource if you have kids, you're at Kids for Positive Change. Exactly. And again, we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. Before we let you go, anything else you want to tell the listeners? 
I just want to leave our listeners with Bree's message, especially during this holiday season and going into our new year, 2023. What an amazing opportunity we all have as children and adults to simply be kind and to understand, as we said during this podcast, that just one act of kindness, even if it's a random act of kindness, can have such a positive ripple effect. He is waking up the world to kindness one crow at a time. It is a beautiful message. Camille and Brie, it is always an absolute pleasure to have you both with us. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays. And we'll touch base again in the new year. Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye-bye. We just want to say thank you once again to Camille for joining us and bringing Brie. Oh my goodness. Every time he crowed, I was just like, oh. I'm not sure how much of his crowing came through on the broadcast because he was so loud. Literally, he bounced off the microphone. We couldn't hear it, but we could see him crowing. You could hear the very first note of it. Yeah. Camille said he was blowing her eardrums. (laughs) (laughs) We love talking to them. They are just so much fun. She is wonderful. And how do you not love a gigantic, gorgeous leghorn rooster like Brie? He's awesome. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we're revisiting another breed. One of my favorites. This one's for you, Cassidy. We are spotlighting the Simon Favreau. Yay! Our main topic, the do's and don'ts of winter chicken care. Yes. Mm -hmm. A must. Cracking the eggs. We're going to do gingerbread, as in gingerbread cake. Yes. It's yummy. It's fantastic for Christmas. And for retail therapy, we're going to do mini reviews of the newest chicken books that are out in case you want to put them on your Christmas list. Yay! Okay. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.